The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's man-to-man coverage. This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. Thursday edition of PFT PM. Week 3 of the preseason gets started tonight. Six games. It's amazing how the vibe about the preseason has shifted in a fairly short period of time. Used to be that third preseason game, first half starters. The only question was how deep they'd play into the second half. Now, you're not even going to see a lot of them. Coaches are concerned about getting guys injured, and I get that. I still have such a hard time reconciling the complaints from coaches that they don't have enough time to get players ready with the decision to keep so many players in bubble wrap during the preseason. And I get it. The risk of injury is enhanced when you're playing full contact, full speed tackle football. I get it. But you eventually have to play full speed, full contact tackle football. How do you get ready for that? How do you get ready to do it in a way that minimizes the risk of injury? Someone smarter than me and with more free time than me hopefully will track as this pendulum swings away from using players in the preseason. Starting players, key players. The correlation, if any, Maybe there isn't one. Injuries in September. With limited participation by starters in the preseason and the way it used to be. Is there any uptick in September? Old school coaches would say there is or there should be or they would expect it every injury. If a guy doesn't practice as much if he doesn't play in the preseason. Think about the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. Guy didn't play at all in the preseason, he gets injured week two. Well, if he had played in the preseason, he wouldn't have gotten injured. Now, a lot of that's bunk. But he used to play six preseason games before they played a single game that counts. And I don't want to expose guys to injury unnecessarily, but they've been doing the damn four-game preseason thing forever, except when it was six. 40-plus years of four preseason games. So just get rid of the damn preseason. See, here's the thing. We are at the stage of the preseason where pretty much every year we start to complain about it and say the NFL doesn't need it and what suckers are out there buying these tickets and what... Idiots are actually carving out their time to watch these games like I will tonight. They're never going to shrink the preseason until they grow the regular season. I remember nine, ten years ago, Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, not that I need to add that, 
Maybe there's somebody out there who's just stumbled over this, and if I wouldn't have said commissioner of the NFL, they would have been confused about who Roger Goodell is. I don't know. Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, graduate of Washington and Jefferson College, lifetime employee of the NFL. He he would trash the preseason. Not representative of the quality of our product. His end game was to shrink the preseason and grow the regular season. Once he realized the players weren't going to bite, he stopped complaining about the preseason because you can't just cut the preseason because you can't just give up the revenue. They got a business to run here. The preseason makes money until they can offset those losses with increased revenue from more regular season games. They're going to continue to play four preseason games. I could see them shrink to two if... The regular season grows to 18, or if the regular grow, season grows to 17 plus expanded playoffs. And if the players just won't agree to an expanded regular season, or if the NFL won't make the players an offer they can't refuse, which is the more accurate description at this point, how about 16 and 3 plus expanded playoffs? I mean, there was a time where. It was regarded as a done deal that the playoffs were getting expanded. Remember that? I'd say it was six, seven years ago. Dan Patrick said on his radio show, and he's plugged in. By next year, the playoffs are going to be expanded. There was a little problem along the way. Someone at the league office realized, oh, wait. The players have a say in this. We can't just make that dramatic change to the work conditions and require two teams in the league to play an extra game, actually four teams to play an extra game because two teams get in that wouldn't have gotten in and two teams that would have had a bye have to play. So you're imposing on four out of 32 teams an extra game. You can't just do that unilaterally. You've got to bargain for it. And there's already been some reporting that that is regarded as, and why wouldn't it be acceptable? The only team that would be pissed off every year is the number two team in each conference. Why do we have to play another game? And look, I'd rather just go all the way to 16. Make the team that got the one seed in each division play. Do not give them that advantage of being the only teams out of 14. Two out of 14 don't play in the wild card round. I don't like that. Don't like it. Make all of them play. Go with an eight-team per conference bracket. Half the league makes the playoffs. I think that's fair. And then the Patriots would win that game anyway. (laughs) But I've been doing this long enough to know where the storylines pop up. And we're at the phase of the preseason where we've had enough. Especially now that the starters aren't playing in the third preseason game. Let's fast forward. We're two weeks away from Packers-Bears to start the regular season. Let's get it on. Let's get going. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. That's where we are right now. A couple other things to discuss before I look at your questions. This Washington-New England trade, rumor, report, whatever that the Patriots offered their 2020 first-round pick for tackle Trent Williams, and Washington declined. Multiple reports suggesting that that's not true. 
I've heard through the grapevine that the Patriots are saying it's not true privately. Now, look, if it is true, the Patriots have to say no. Unless there was some broader agenda there to scare the crap out of the guys who are currently playing offensive line, and specifically Isaiah Wynn, the left tackle. I haven't seen or heard. It's like typical offensive line. I haven't seen or heard anything about Isaiah Wynn, which must mean everything's fine. You only hear about offensive linemen when they stink or when they're injured. And last year it was Wynn's injury that opened the door for Trent Brown to have a great season at left tackle, so great that he got a huge contract and he got moved back over to the side of the line where he stunk in San Francisco. But unless the Patriots are trying to send that kind of a message to scare someone into performing better, there's no reason for them to have their fingerprints on it. For Washington, though, and this wouldn't be the first time that Bruce Allen lies to the media. And and look, we're not supposed to try to predict who people's sources are, but come on, if it's Washington media that's reporting it, if it's people who have interviewed Bruce Allen who are reporting it, it really doesn't take a genius to figure out that Bruce Allen's fingerprints are all over it. And my first interpretation of this was that this shows that Washington has come to terms with the fact that they have to trade Trent Williams, and this is their way of letting people know that there's reason to call and letting people know what the floor is. And the floor may be lower than that if it's the best offer they get. This may just be Bruce Allen's way of trying to get more. I mean, if it's false and he made it up, then the floor very well could be lower than that. He's just trying to get everything that he can. Now, I had one source who speculated that Bruce Allen would very much like to get Tyreek Hill from the Chiefs. Well, I don't think the Chiefs want Trent Williams. And if, even if they did, you're not giving up Tyreek Hill for Trent Williams. Trent Williams is never going to play for Washington again. That's really the takeaway from all of this for me. Washington, and specifically Bruce Allen, finally coming to terms. Anger, denial, bargaining, depression, acceptance. Finally coming to terms with the reality that Trent Williams means what he says when he says, go yourself. I'm never playing for you again. As I said earlier today on PFT Live, they've bungled this from the get-go. The flow chart is simple. Trent Williams is upset with you. Step one, go kiss his ass. If that fails, step two, go kiss his ass even harder. Step three, offer him more money. Step four, trade him. And if you're going to trade him, trade him at a time when the team that gets him has maximum ability to get the most out of him this year. This isn't Khalil Mack who just gets plugged into a defensive line and goes. It's a delicate dance when you're talking about an offensive line. Now, the farther you get out to the edge, the less complicated it is to integrate with the rest of the linemen. But still, you don't want to be doing this Labor Day weekend, four days before the first game, for a guy who's not in camp, for a guy who's coming off of having a growth cut off of his head and hasn't been around and who knows what he's doing. So, whether it's true, whether it's false, it's out there because Washington wants people to know he's available and if it is false he may be available for less than a first round pick that would be expected to fall somewhere between 28 and 32 because the Patriots have been drafting between 28 and 32 every year since 2011 for crying out loud 
There was a report today from Ed Word that the Cowboys made another offer to Ezekiel Elliott that would make him among the two highest paid running backs in the NFL. Well, who cares? He's got to be the highest paid running back or he's not taking it. And the Cowboys just need to bite the bullet here. The Cowboys need to get the deals done with the guys whose pots are boiling. And they thought they were going to get away with keeping Zeke's on the back burner while they were dealing with Amari Cooper and Ezekiel Elliott on the front burner. And what happened was Zeke forced his way to the front, pushed Amari Cooper to the back. Amari Cooper's happy to go to the back because he's happy to make $14 million this year. See, I think they were hoping that they could extend his deal and cut his cap number. The problem is twofold. One, even though they try to equate Amari Cooper to this is our first round pick for 2019, he's expensive. He's in his fifth year option. And it pays 14.9. Secondly, he understands they have to pay him at some point because they gave up their first round pick, because he went in there and played well. So he's content to take 14 million, and he's content to take the franchise tag next year, and he's content to take the franchise tag the year after that, and he's content to say, see you later. And I still think that between Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper, they should come together and refuse to do a long-term deal jointly so only one of them can be franchise tag next year and the other one becomes a free agent unless the CBA hasn't been extended. If it hasn't been extended, every team gets a franchise tag and a transition tag next year. Transition tag just gives a right to match. You can still swipe a team or swipe a player from a team by constructing an offer that can't be or won't be matched. So... Cooper ends up on the back burner. He's happy to be there. Ezekiel Elliott's on the front burner with Dak Prescott. And the Cowboys thought they'd be able to kick the can one more year, which would allow them, number one, to be sure that Ezekiel Elliott's still healthy. And the Rams wish they had had that flexibility with Todd Gurley. And number two, there's a chance this offense is going to shift its philosophy this year. There's a chance. When Amari Cooper tells me that he's shooting for 2,000 receiving yards, he's either completely delusional or he's kind of delusional, but he also realizes in this new offense he's got a chance to fall somewhere between 1,000 and 2,000 yards, and who knows, maybe closer to two than one. Maybe this is the year that they realize we can't just go battering ram, battering ram, battering ram, because if a team bottles up our running game, our passing game is... this. You know, I used to say this about the Vikings that Teddy Bridgewater never really matured as a quarterback because it was always Adrian Peterson, Adrian Peterson, Adrian Peterson. At some point, if you think your guy's a franchise quarterback, you got to say, you're the guy, not the running back. You're the guy. You're the guy that's going to be here for 15 years. Who knows how long the running back's going to make it. You're the guy, quarterback. And there's a chance the offense this year shifts from Elliot being the straw that stirs the drink to Prescott being the straw that stirs the drink or the the blender that you put it on the highest level. What's is the highest level frappe? I remember seeing that when I was a kid. All those different buttons you'd press and that highest level. I think it was frappe on the old blender. So anyway, that's why Zeke's drawn a line in the sand and the Cowboys just have to accept that they are not going to talk these guys into taking less. I, 
And you know what? Here, here's what the core of this may be. I hadn't thought about this till right now. One of the reasons why I like doing this podcast, even though it takes up a hell of a lot of my time, I know that there, there are plenty of you that listened all the way to the end of the hour and a half edition the other day, so I appreciate you. But it does give me the occasion to think of some ideas. And it just hit me. At the core, this is about the very real rivalry that exists between two teams that only meet once every four years, two teams that have never met in a Super Bowl, the Dallas Cowboys and the New England Patriots. The Dallas Cowboys are still America's team. The Dallas Cowboys are still the brand that draws more eyes than anyone else. And I don't care how many Super Bowls the Patriots win, the Cowboys will still be that drawing card. So that's the reason for the Patriots to envy the Cowboys. The Cowboys envy the Patriots because, well, hell, the Patriots have been to, since the last time the Cowboys were in the Super Bowl to cap the 1995 season, do you realize that the Patriots have been to 10 Super Bowls? 10 since the last time the Cowboys were even in a conference championship game. 10 and they've won six. We forget about Patriots-Packers, Super Bowl 31, the year after the last time the Cowboys were in the Super Bowl. 31, 36, 38, 39, 41, 46, 49, 51, 52. Wait, is that right? No. Holy shit, it is. They've been to three in a row? They've been to three in a row. That's right. 51, 52, 53. My God. They've been to three in a row. Hey, we just take it for granted. They've been to four out of the last five freaking Super Bowls, folks. We get numb to it. Who are you going to pick out of the AFC this year? Go ahead, pick the Chiefs. I dare you. So... I think there's just some good old-fashioned jealousy there, some resentment there, and the Cowboys are pissed off that the Patriots have fueled that run of greatness over the past two decades by getting players to take less, starting with Tom Brady, who took less even before he married a supermodel. The Cowboys are pissed. They're trying to... You know, this. They're real, I think there's something to this. The Cowboys are pissed that they can't simply talk their guys into being like the Patriots. Why can't you be more like the Patriots? The, the Cowboys are being Estelle Costanza. Their players are George, and the Patriots players are Lloyd Braun. It's that simple. And I gave you a timely reference to put the cherry on top. All right. Let's move along to your questions once I remind you of a very important thing. There's still a couple of weeks left in summer. You still may have one or two summer road trips left. Before you head out, visit O'Reilly Auto Parts. Simple preventive maintenance before you hit the road will ensure a safe journey during those late summer road trips. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices 
every damn day. That's probably not how they want me to read it. I bet they're okay with that. Every damn day, every mother... Just let me try that again. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. We love O'Reilly Auto Parts. How they've been with us from the get-go. O'Reilly Auto Parts, NHTSA. Who else pops up from time to time? We'll get more. We'll get more. We're, we're, you know, it's funny. One of the reasons I keep doing this, it reminds me of the early days of the website where we just kind of gradually grew and gradually grew and didn't make money for four or five years and just kept pecking and chipping and going and going and all of a sudden the dam broke. So we'll keep pecking away. Maybe the dam will break one of these days. But thank you, O'Reilly. Thank you, Nitsa. Thank you, anybody else who's sponsored the PFTPM podcast. All right, let's answer some of your questions. PFTPM Posse, front of the line as usual because I follow the account. What's your biggest sucker purchase? I'm very cheap. I'm very cheap. I'll tell you something I did within the past few months that pissed me off. I, I grew up in Wheeling, West Virginia, and Marsh Wheeling Stogies was a big industry there, big company there for over 100 years. So anything that that is related to Marsh Wheeling Stogies, I'm intrigued by. I got a clock down in the barn that was made in 1962. I keep it unplugged now. I'm afraid it was going to burn the barn down. So I keep it unplugged. We'll go down there sometimes and I'll plug it in. I'll remember to plug it in. But it, it looks good. It lights up. I, it's, just, it's got that old school cord. And I'm thinking it's just a matter of time before that old school cord frays and, bzz, and down goes the barn. So I was looking for, what was I looking for? I don't know if I was, I wasn't looking for another Marsh Wheeling Stogie's clock. I don't know if I was looking for a box to put in the humidor, a Marsh Wheeling Stogie's box or what, but I came across what I thought was a sign that I'd put down in the barn. Marsh Wheeling Stogie's on eBay. 40 bucks. I think that's a pretty good deal. You know, just a metal sign and, you know, nail it into the wall, just find a spot somewhere in the wood down there and just that whole that whole, you know, we smoke cigars down there. It's just got that whole, it all ties together. So I, I, I ordered it 40 bucks and I don't know, a week or so later, this thing comes in the mail. It's, it's very light and it was like styrofoam. I could tell it was styrofoam and there was something in the middle of the styrofoam and I open it up and the Marsh Willing Stogie sign was like a label, like, like a paper label, like a plastic label. And I was like, what the hell? I spent 40 bucks for this piece of shit. So then I reached out to the guy and I said, hey, you know, what the hell? You create the impression this is an actual sign. It's a label. It's like an iron on. Remember those? You iron it onto your t-shirt. I spent 40 bucks for an iron on it says Marsh Wheeling Stogies. So the guy offered to refund the money. Of course, like I'm going to dick around repacking this thing and sending it back to the guy for 40 bucks. So I got myself a $40 iron-on decal 
that says Marsh Wheeling Stogies. I'd like to say that I have a bigger sucker purchase than that, but to basically piss away $40 for a piece of paper, top that. PFTP and Posse, what would happen if every NFL head coach conducted their press conferences in the same way as Bill Belichick, giving no info and rarely answering questions? Would they change the rules? No, no. The NFL's position is if you want to be a dick, go ahead. You just have to talk. If you want to be difficult, if you want to be combative, if you want to not answer questions, if you want to say, I'm just here so I won't get fined, that's on you. You just have to be there. And Bill Belichick isn't always that way. Bill Belichick is trying to protect his team, protect his guys. He doesn't want to talk about his guys. He doesn't want to give anything away. Every once in a while, you press the button in the right spot on Bill Belichick, and he'll give you a long-ass answer with some football theory thing that tickles his fancy. But you're going to get nowhere. When Bill Belichick issues a statement about Josh Gordon that is very basic, that is very guarded, that is very careful... You're not going to get anywhere if you ask him about Josh Gordon that night or the next day. So I think the challenge of being a member of the Patriots press corps is to come up with a question that presses that button and gets the guy to talk. And also that lets him know you know what you're talking about. Because he is ready to exhibit disdain. Because if he exhibits disdain effectively, not that I agree with treating other people that way, but if he exhibits disdain effectively... The thinking is you're not going to get stupid-ass questions. PFTPM Posse, passing along a question via the newest member of the Posse, Ryan Macklin. What coaches do you think are on the hot seat, and when do you think they're most likely to be fired? Well, Ryan, one thing you need to realize about the PFTPM podcast, I don't look at these questions ahead of time, so anything that would require advanced thought, you're not going to get it here. But at some point before the season starts, I will write up my list of the coaches on the hot seat. Or I think I've done like a hot seat meter in the past or something stupid like that. I'll probably do something stupid like that again, just off the top of my head. And what I do whenever I get a question like that, I've got the record and fact book here from last year. I need, I still need to ask them for a new one. Sometimes, I mean, they've always given me one. I just feel bad asking for one every year. If you're listening, NFL, send me a new record and fact book. Sean McDermott's safe. Brian Flores safe. Bill Belichick, gee, he may be in trouble. Adam Gase, it would take a disaster beyond all comprehension to put him in any type of trouble. John Harbaugh, signed that four-year contract. He's safe. Zach Taylor, they ain't firing him after one year. Freddie Kitchens could put himself in a position where next year he'd be on the hot seat if the Browns are like 6-10 and 10 or worse. Mike Tomlin, even though he got an extension, it's just a one-year extension. I think the extension was a, if we give him this extension, it won't be obvious he's on the hot seat. But you know what? If it all falls apart in Pittsburgh this year, he could be on the hot seat. Bill O'Brien, hard to imagine him on the hot seat, but I don't know what ownership is going to do there now that Cal McNair is calling the shots, given that his father has passed. They don't have a GM. They could just decide to clear the decks after this season, potentially. It would take a really, really bad season. Frank Reich's safe. Doug Marone, if they go 6-10, and 7-9, and 5-11, 4-12, I think Shad Khan came close to making some changes last year. There's a chance the reset button gets pressed if this Jaguars team doesn't live up to its potential and it's got high potential. Mike Vrabel, I think, is fine, but with the Titans, you never know what they're going to do. 
Vic Fangio safe. Andy Reid safe. Anthony Lynn safe. John Gruden, he's got a 10-year contract, but it may not be fully guaranteed. But they're not going to ride into Las Vegas with anyone but John Gruden. Mark Davis wanted him too badly for too long to dump him after two years, even if this year ends up as bad as last year. Jason Garrett is on the hottest of the hot seats. He's got a contract that expires. And every once in a while, there's a guy whose contract expires, and the team tries to make it sound like they didn't fire him. Oh, we didn't fire him. His contract expired. We're just going in a different direction. You fired him. Pat Shermer, there's a sense that maybe he could be in trouble. I don't think so, though. Doug Peterson, no. Jay Gruden, yes. Hot. Matt Nagy, no. Matt Patricia, some people think he is on the hot seat. I think ownership is committed there to giving this, let's try to be the Patriots of the upper Midwest a chance. And I think they understand it's going to take time to change a rancid culture that has been baked in for the last 50 plus years. Matt LaFleur, He'd only be on the hot seat if Mark Murphy gets fired and the new CEO would say, we're changing everything right now. And even then, that's probably more than what the new CEO could do in one year. The CEO gets himself or herself a grace period by treading water for 2020 and evaluating everything and then making the change after that. So I think it would take something. I I think Matt LaFleur would be more likely to pull a Bobby Petrino, frankly, then the Packers would be to fire him. Mike Zimmer, I think, you know, I, I don't want, I don't want to be uh, negative. I don't want to anger my friend Mike Zimmer, but I think it would be prudent to get to the playoffs this year to secure the future beyond this season. They got a new COO in Minnesota and with the Wilfs not in Minnesota on a regular basis, that new COO is essentially the surrogate owner, keeping the peace, keeping everything together. They've had Rick Spielman there for a long time. I think Zimmer is likely to be safe because I think they are going to be in playoff contention. But there was a lot of disappointment last year. The, the Wilfs have spent a ton of money. They've done kind of the opposite of what the Cowboys are trying to do. The Cowboys are trying to get all these good players to stick around for less money so they have money for second stringers, depth, etc. The Wills are just saying, all right, fine, let's do it. We got this new stadium. We got this new practice facility. Go ahead. Do what we have to do. Go. Spend. Spend. And at some point, they're going to expect results. Dan Quinn, Falcons, hot. Ron Rivera, sub-500 season. The farther he is under 500, the hotter it is. Sean Payton is not on the hot seat, but I think Sean Payton, on a yearly basis, we have to watch and see whether or not there's another team out there that catches his eye and causes him to want to move on. Although there's a theory out there that the longer he stays, the harder it's going to be for him to leave. Bruce Arians, I can't see him being fired after a year. I could see him retiring after a year again if it just is a complete and total disaster. Cliff Kingsbury, not hot. Sean McVay, give me a break. Kyle Shanahan, I think, because he's got a six-year contract fully guaranteed with no offset, Kyle Shanahan gets at least one more year, and Pete Carroll's not on the hot seat. Not after what he did last year. It would take a disastrous season, and then, again, it would be one of those, he's retiring, not not being fired, and then maybe he would unretire at some point down the road. All right, so I kind of did that on the fly, but that's my thought. I need to go back and listen to that. And then write it up. Because I think that's probably, after dealing with these issues the entire offseason and training camp and preseason, that's, that's how I feel on all of those.
What's next? At Nick Tom Foolery, what do you think of the snacks deal? Does Detroit quietly have the best pound-for-pound D-line in football? Snacks, Flowers, Mike Daniels, Ashawn Robinson, Deshaun Hand, Romeo Aquara, Devon Kennard. I, I don't think Harrison got as much as you would have expected him to get on a one-year extension. And the bottom line is he's happy, he's there. I don't know if they're the best defensive line, but I think the Lions are a team that that could be sneaky good this year. I think every team in the NFC North is a contender to win it all, and every team in the NFC North is a contender to finish fourth and every spot in between. It's Tariq. How screwed are the Patriots now that Chung is likely out for the season? He's not likely out for the season. Here's the difference between the personal conduct policy and the substance abuse policy. Drug arrest does not get you suspended. It doesn't get you put on the commissioner exempt list. They'll let it play out, and they'll deal with it on the back end. And he'll get some sort of a suspension if there's a resolution to this case that in any way imposes responsibility on him. Conviction by a judge or a jury, guilty plea, no contest plea, or entry into a diversion program. There will be a suspension. Now, I know the stigma for cocaine use is still much greater than it is for marijuana use because marijuana is being legalized coast to coast. There will be punishment, but it's not, trust me, it's not the kind of thing, unless he's in prison, it's not the kind of thing that is going to have a significant impact on his career, especially not this year. The wheels of justice move slowly. This is more of an off-season 2020 issue. A red zone out with the Giants hoping the fan base turns against Eli Manning, therefore relieving themselves of the inevitable decision to turn to Daniel Jones. Look, this is what I think is the best plan the Giants have had all year, whether they meant to have it or not. The idea that the fan base is rallying around Daniel Jones. The fan base feels like Daniel Jones has been disrespected. The fan base is pissed off because people like Baker Mayfield are taking shots at Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones is playing well, so you're starting to get a murmur. The crowd murmurs. Murmur, murmur, murmur. You're starting to get a murmur. We want Jones. We want Jones. That's what the Giants need. I still think you just rip the Band-Aid off and go week one, people. If Daniel Jones is looking like he's the goods as the sixth overall pick in the draft, and the reason you took him is because it's time for Eli Manning to be floated on an iceberg, get the iceberg ready, see you later, Eli, and let's go Daniel Jones. A Red Zone Alk, once the season gets underway, do you think the coaches will be looking for an early opportunity to test Al Riveron rather than the rule itself? I just think that part of the analysis you go through when you throw that red flag and activate replay review, especially for pass interference, you take into account the possibility that Al Riveron is going to get it wrong and give you a gift that you don't deserve. There's no way to predict it, but I think it's part of your gut feeling. And you make that decision quickly, but you got to think, hmm, you know what? Hmm, we're going to get lucky here. We got a chance. But you got to be careful with those red flags. You only got two, and you get a third one if your first two are used accurately. And I think coaches are going to save them now. See, I don't like the whole challenge concept because I don't think coaches should have to budget this notion of well, I just got screwed. Do I do something about it? Or do I wait because I may get screwed later? 
think about it. You, you know, you, you, if you own a house, there's always shit that goes wrong. It's always something. But you only have so many opportunities to fix it. So, you got a leak in the sink in your bathroom. And it's that constant drip, 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 drip leak that drives you crazy to the point where you got to go underneath and turn the water flow off to the sink and then turn it on every time you want to use the sink. I've been there. So, you want to fix it. Well, but I can only fix two problems this year in the house. So am I going to fix that one? It's an easy fix. It's clearly broken. But you know what? How big of a pain in the ass is it? I'll just bend down and turn the faucet off and live with it. I'd rather save my ability to make a repair in the household for something big like the air conditioner going out in late July. I don't know how good of a metaphor that is, but you get my point. I don't like that coaches have to play that game of, I just got screwed. Do I unscrew myself knowing that I will forfeit the ability to unscrew myself later? I don't know that I like that metaphor either. I just don't like any of this. I don't like any of it being tied to this game of throwing a red flag on the field. Step Boy RD, what is your preference of drinking game? I I'm 54. I don't I don't need a lot like I I mean I'm at the age where if I'm gonna drink, I want to enjoy it. I'm not trying to get drunk fast so I'll have the courage to go talk to the girl across the hall. There was an age where and I think a lot of us went through that. We used to call IC light instant courage light back when I was of legal drinking age in the early 80s. Once I turned 18. Not before that. Not when we were 16 or 17. That never happened. And I know all statute of limitations. Statute of limitations have passed. I just don't want to admit that. Instant courage light. Chug a couple of those and you'll go talk to anybody. I want to enjoy it. I want to savor it. I don't need to guzzle it. There's no point. What's the point? All right. So I don't play drinking games. At playoff cap, why doesn't Dak just hold out and get a new deal? If he holds out, he'll basically get whatever he wants. And once he gets paid, who cares about the backlash? It'll be there for a few months. Max, Cowboys are done if Dak holds out. Well, he's already there. And remember, once you leave, the team has all the leverage to get you to come back with that five-day letter. But, but here's the thing. If Dak would walk out right now, if he'd leave right now, what are the Cowboys going to do? Send a five-day letter and shut him down for the year and go with their backup? They're going to do that? I just think Dak doesn't want to do that. And and look, it's tough to hold out. It's tough to hold out because the entire system is set up in a way that makes the player look bad. The fans align against the player. I saw a headline of an item in the Fort Worth Star-Telegram that Daryl Johnston is a honor-your-contract guy, but he understands why Ezekiel Elliott's holding out. I hate when I hear honor-your-contract. There are two contracts that are relevant. Let me say it again for the people in the back. The contract between the player and the team and the contract between the player's union and the league. And the contract between the player's union and the league gives the player the absolute right to hold out. This isn't about honoring your contract. You're exercising your rights on your union contract when you hold out. 
It's not a wildcat strike. It's not a violation of the law. And especially when you're strapped with the terms of a contract of adhesion. Contract of adhesion is a take it or leave it deal. And you can't negotiate anything better than what you are handed. And when you're drafted, you get a contract of adhesion. If you want to play in the NFL, you got to accept it. You can't say, I want more money. You can't say, I want a term in there that gives me a boost if I end up being the leading rusher in the NFL. You don't get any of that. It's take it or leave it. So the problem is the fans get pissed off about players who hold out. The fans would lose their minds if Dak Prescott would suddenly walk out of camp and say, I can't do this anymore. We've been negotiating. It's a distraction. I'm not coming back until I get my contract. And see, here's the thing. It's the same mentality that keeps a strike from happening. Guys just want to play football. If you have a holdout, it's no different than voting to strike. You're giving up your money and you're giving up your right to do the thing that you want to do. And most guys who play football want to play football. Now, some of them are just incredibly physically gifted. and They don't like the sport, but they do it because it pays a lot of money. But the best approach for Dak Prescott at this point, you know, if they're not going to give him the deal that he wants, then you just get franchise tag next year, franchise tag the year after that, and become Kirk Cousins. And I keep waiting for a quarterback, I'll do respect Kirk, that is better than Kirk Cousins to do the Kirk Cousins thing. And say, I'm not playing this game. We're going to do it on my terms. I'm going to finish my rookie contract. I'll take my $2 million this year. I'll take my $25 million next year. I'll take my $30 million the year after that. And then you got to decide, do you give me a 44% raise? $43.2 million is what it would be for 2022? Or do you let me hit the open market? And then the question is, can you even apply a fourth franchise tag? There is an argument to be made about whether and to what extent the... Uh, the the franchise tag can even be used a fourth time. Leapers 500. What if Dan Marino had, as as geography would dictate, been drafted by the Steelers instead of the Dolphins? Does Pittsburgh break up the 49ers dynasty? I think they win at least one title, if not more. I agree with you. And the Steelers had a shot at Dan Marino. Tony Dungy was on the coaching staff at the time. And as he explains it, the Steelers were so concerned about what drafting Dan Marino would do to Terry Bradshaw that they didn't take Marino, even though they loved Marino. And the message was, and he articulated this in 2018, when the Giants seemed to be looking for a quarterback, don't think about Eli Manning, think about the quarterback. If you love the quarterback, take the quarterback. And you'll worry about how that interacts with the veteran quarterback who's already on the roster later. Because what happened in Pittsburgh in 83, they didn't take Dan Marino. He fell to the Dolphins. Terry Bradshaw got injured early in the season and never played again. And they went 21 years between Bradshaw and Ben Roethlisberger. And if they had had Dan Marino from 1983 through 1999, my God. Think about the defense. They had now, of course, the salary cap gets involved. Things change. You're paying the quarterback a lot of money. Who knows? But the Steelers have won their Super Bowls when they've had franchise quarterbacks. They were able to get to the Super Bowl in 95 
without a franchise quarterback because of their defense. But yeah, I think the Steelers would have more than six right now if they had drafted Dan Marino. Leapers 500 with the president's increasing unpopularity and his views now less impacting. Why couldn't the NFL have done a kumbaya with Kaepernick and Jay-Z and gotten him into camp? This could have been a real chance for the NFL to see the people who supported him, not just the haters. Look, I, I, and Sims and I were arguing about this a little bit today. We were talking about this back and forth that's unfolding between Brian Flores and Kenny Stills, where Flores played the eight Jay-Z songs and Stills was playing Nas at his locker. And I didn't even know there was a thing between Jay-Z and Nas that goes back to 96. That's how lame I am. But let me just summarize my views on this Jay-Z thing. And I compare it to in a very, very minimal way. When NBC came to me in 2009 and wanted to do a deal, I knew that, well, I wanted to scare them off. So I took a position that I thought would scare them off, but also it was something that was deep down very important to me. I wanted to have final say over anything on the website. I didn't want to have layers of editorial input with people telling me what I could and couldn't write and what I had to take down and what I had to change. That wasn't going to happen. So I said to Rick Cordella, if I don't have final say over anything and everything that is put on my website, we are wasting our time. And when he said he's got no problem with that, that's when I said, oh shit, now I got to come up with another way to scare this guy away. But if Jay-Z wanted to do this the way that some think he should have, and I tend to agree with those some, when the NFL approaches him the first time, Jay-Z says, until Colin Kaepernick's on a roster, we're wasting our time. And then you see how badly the NFL wants to do it. And you know what? If they don't do it, then they don't do it. And if NBC would have said to me, when I said, hey, if... I don't have final say over all editorial content. We're wasting our time. I'd have moved on. They'd have moved on. Everything would have been fine. When you say that, you can't be bluffing. You can't be ready to go, oh, wait, no, I really didn't mean that. When they say, no, we can't do things that way. If, if you're, and if you're Jay-Z, you can pull it off. Jay-Z doesn't need the NFL. Jay-Z could have said, until Colin Kaepernick is on a team, we are wasting our time. And then he gets on a team, they do the deal, and you know what? They probably leak to someone, Jay-Z's camp does at some point, that Kaepernick's back because Jay-Z made a power play. Last one. Leapers 500. There is a theory called the black swan theory, maybe better stated, you zig when they zag. What is a trend in play and scheme that is coming in the NFL that could be a black swan. Boy, I, that's one that I really need to think about. You zig when they zag. I could see something like a high-risk defensive scheme where, you know, to deal with the Chiefs, we can either play it conventionally and give up 30 points or be ultra-aggressive and blitz like crazy and do all kind of unconventional things and run the risk of giving up 50, but also increase our possibility of having a couple of pick sixes and and uh, maybe holding them under 20. Something like that. Ridiculously aggressive defense, heavy blitzes, a return of the 46, something like that. Something aggressive that potentially will confuse and confound Patrick Holmes. I could see something like that. Tyler Finesse, what are you looking forward to seeing the most with week three of the preseason? I want to see how Kyler Murray rebounds from last week and how he handles himself, because I think he was frustrated by the fact that the Raiders took the time to try to shut him down. 
Tyler Finesse, how often do you write feature style stories, i.e. Colin Kaepernick lawsuit? I enjoy them when you write them. I never set about to, to write like a really long story. I think that people don't have the, uh, the attention span. I'll just do it when it moves me. I prefer to keep stories under 700 words, preferably under 500. I just think that, that people digest those better. Eddie Horse Sports, forget the fact that I'm a Patriots fan for a second. Okay, Eddie, I will. What's dumber in the grand scheme of things? A fan getting a brown Super Bowl 54 tattoo already or Chung getting charged with cocaine possession? I'm thinking the tattoo, but we know the haters will be out in force again. I think the tattoo is pretty dumb. But you know what? Tattoos can be, can't they be removed? Can't At a minimum, the LIV at the bottom of the tattoo could be changed somehow. You remove the 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 one between the L and the V. I gotta look at that picture again. Is there a is there a spacing? You know, you could take out that one and still see the LV. They're close enough. Or you could take out the one, and I, as long as they win one before, hmm. As long as they win one before Super Bowl sixty, I think this is fixable. You take out the the I between the L and the V, so you got fifty five covered. 56, take out the I, L, V, and then space the other I. 57, L, V, I, I. 58, L, V, I, I, I. 59, L, V, I, X, right? I think they could pull it off. And then, if need be, you could do L, and the I, V, you take those off and make it a big X. I don't know. So that's not idiotic. The, 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 the cocaine arrest is never going away. There, there's no, and even when records are expunged, people still have Google. Leapers 500, do you think there was ever a moment where Brady had enough of Belichick and was about to leave or ask for a trade? I feel like there was at some point, maybe 10 years ago. I don't know, I remember the story from Seth Wickersham for a couple of years ago, how Brady was the one that instigated the Garoppolo trade. I, th- I think there's always... When, when you have a stressful endeavor and you have strong personalities and you have a coach who rules with an iron fist, I think there is a point where you get sick of it. And you at least ponder what it would be like to go somewhere where you're not constantly tiptoeing on broken glass. Jerry Bissett, would it make sense for a player to take less but for it to be fully guaranteed for injury and or no offset or is it just not even feasible or realistic? I... Look, that's part of the balance. Do I take less and do I have more of it guaranteed? Do I have more of, a, of an insurance policy here? Yeah, but, but look, this all gets back to managing the cap. The Cowboys want to manage the cap, and they prefer to manage the cap by having a bunch of guys who take less. And I think that's one of the reasons why they're putting this squeeze on Dak. If they could get Dak to take less, they can try to parlay that into other players. Because I think for years, the Patriots have pointed to Tom Brady. Whenever somebody tries to get market value, they say, hey, how dare you? Tom Brady doesn't take market value. Are you saying you're better than Tom Brady? QBGH, what's your preferred snack during a football game? GBQH prefers salt and vinegar chips with some Skittles. Hopefully not at the same time. Here's what happens. Now, I have two different scenarios for watching football during the week, and I'm probably going to bore you to death on this. Let me let me try to give you the the Reader's Digest version. Sundays, the food is provided 
at NBC. And it's pretty much the same spread every year, ever, ever, ever since I've been going there, especially since we moved to Stanford from 30 Rock. And I like it. I know you get a little chicken noodle soup, get a little bit of that, get a little like half of a bagel, a little cream cheese on it, half of a sandwich. And then I'll go up and forage from time to time if I just get a little antsy. That time of year is coming. 17 Sundays of kind of budgeting your food intake so you don't overdo it. And also you don't want to be having a, a sugar crash late afternoon because there's work that needs to be done. But on Monday and Thursday night, that's when we're down in the barn. And that's when it's the combination of some sort of pizza or hoagie or calzone or whatever. Plus, the, we get the little bags of chips. When you get the little, you, you, they sell them in like a big bag that rips open. And it's got the tiny bags of Fritos and Doritos and stuff. Because then you control yourself a little bit, bit better. Instead of having that, you know, like the whole sack of Doritos just like munching them nonstop until they're gone. So we get the little bags of chips and we get different types of candies. We've talked about the Getz's caramel creams in the past. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it, but again, it's, you know, during football season, it's very, very easy to end up packing on the weight because you're not as active. I still try to work out every day, but those three days a week of watching football, great opportunities for, increased food consumption so i just try to be very careful about it so uh my, you know my they don't shrink my suits qbgh how long does andrew luck have before being called injury prone he already is right In- injury prone isn't a prediction it's a recognition of what's gone on he is injury prone he's prone to injury he's had injuries Mike likes start what's dumber in 2019, drafting Zeke sixth in fantasy or drafting Daniel Jones sixth in real life. It would, uh, uh, yeah. I, look, I, I don't know. How about neither? I don't, I don't think that either is dumb. I think the dumb thing would, would be to draft Daniel Jones and then put him on ice for the full year. That's what John Mara is rooting for. Why the hell did you take him then? If you're going to put him on ice for the full year behind a quarterback that you think is ready to be replaced... Why don't you take somebody else that you're going to actually have on the field like Jonathan or Josh Allen, excuse me, have Josh Allen, the pass rusher, not the quarterback out there. Burn unit. Next time Chris Sims defends criticism of Aaron Rodgers, tell him he missed a spot by his. Oh, God. Uh, Come on, man. Come on. You know, this is the problem. I just read these things. Burn unit. Next time I see your name. I'm going to have to pre-read your question before I read it. Don't do that. Bored to death. Would the NFL not be in violation of antitrust laws if they broke exclusivity with DirecTV and allowed multiple cable companies and TV streaming services to have Sunday Ticket as an add-on package? Look, there's an argument that the entire DirecTV concept with Sunday Ticket violates the antitrust laws. There's a lawsuit that's pending now. It was revived a week or so ago because the argument is the antitrust exemption... And I don't even think it's an argument. I think the NFL concedes this. The antitrust exemption for broadcast only applies to over-the-air broadcast, not to these cable, satellite, streaming packages where the entity that buys the rights is told, you got to buy it all. You can't just buy the Cowboys. You got to buy the Cowboys plus the teams that nobody cares about. You got to buy it all. And then they offer it all or nothing to the consumer. The argument in this lawsuit is that... The, the Sunday ticket package that you have to pay this gigantic fee relative to, you know, the otherwise games are free. That if they didn't do that, there would be real competition among the teams to get their games available to you so you could see them all. The Cowboys would have a streaming deal. You could watch the Cowboys game 
and you wouldn't have to pay $300 for a full year to watch a Cowboys game. Other networks would have games on, satellite services. You could log on to BaltimoreRavens.com and watch their game. It would create real competition among the teams. And there should be competition among the teams, which are 32 separate businesses, when it comes to everything but the deals that are done for the games that are provided on over-the-air channels in a local market. With all these other things, that's where the competition could be and should be. That's the argument. Cable, satellite, streaming. Okay, hey, you turn on your TV, ABC, CBS, Fox, NBC. That's the package that is subject to the broadcast antitrust exemption. You activate your cable channels, you activate your satellite, you activate your streaming. There should not be a global package. That's the argument. And I think after a few minutes, I finally articulate it in a way that makes some sense. And meanwhile, you could argue these antitrust violations have been hiding in plain sight and nobody's been fighting them and they just keep doing what they do. Dean Osborne, 42, why doesn't, doesn't the NFL rookie symposium take place anymore? I thought it had value and might have helped these guys not get loose tongues with the likes of GQ magazine for a start. I, look, it, it, it came down to money. They, they do it all in-house now, but it was expensive to bring all these guys. To, what, what, didn't they bring them to Canton? Didn't they do that? They had a central location. Was it always Canton when they did it? And it's only the draft picks. There's a lot of undrafted guys that make the team, and they don't get the benefit of it. So they, they, they just decided it was it was uh, too expensive, and they tried to provide them that information team by team. Mike likes dirt. If you're Jerry, which Seinfeld characters are Sims and Big Cat? Big Cat is Newman, and Sims is Kramer. Final answer. Mario, and I, but 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 I but I but I love Big Cat, but but we we joust on air for effect. At least it's for effect from my perspective. From his perspective, who knows? Or, or no, wait a minute. I would be Uncle Leo, and he's Jerry, right? Because I'm his internet uncle. Did Jerry have a nephew? Jerry was an only child, right? I should know the answer to that question. Never talked about Jerry having a brother. Although at one point George talked about having a brother, and never really had a brother. And I think. Elaine talked about having a sibling and there was never like a sister, right? Mario Dulio, have you read the response to the Baker article from Clay Skipper? What are your thoughts? I didn't know there was one. I have to check it out. So what, this guy's parlaying the criticism of the way he did a drive-by interview of Baker Mayfield and took advantage of a guy in his early 20s who doesn't understand the nuances of on the record, off the record, and and use the things he said against him. He's going to parlay that into an article that generates even more traffic for GQ. I, I probably shouldn't read it. Dean Osborne, 42. Do you see a scenario in the next 12 months where Brady goes to the 49ers free agent and Jimmy G goes back to New England, having done nothing in San Francisco? I think the first half of that, there's something to it. Second half, I don't know. But I kind of like the idea of Tom Brady going to San Francisco to finish his career and to follow Jimmy Garoppolo. Steph Boyardee, what is the go-to snack food in the Florio household? Let me tell you, my sister-in-law bought me this little West Bend popcorn machine last year for my birthday, 2018. I make popcorn every damn day. I use olive oil. And the reason they don't use olive oil at the movie theaters is because it's expensive. Popcorn made in olive oil is awesome. And it's a hell of a lot better than coconut oil. I've got the coconut oil. Coconut oil has just as much fat, but it's all saturated fat. Olive oil, fat, but it's, it's good fat. 
Orville Redenbacher, white popcorn kernels every day for lunch. Uh, I'll make popcorn to go along with what, you know, if I have a sandwich or whatever. It's awesome. And my dog loves it. She hears that popping and she comes running where she ever sees, she ever sees wherever she is in the house. And I get someone, I put it in her bowl and I try to mix it in with her food to get her to food. Cause you know, one thing I've learned about a dog, the more non-dog food you give them, the less they want to have anything to do with the dog food. See, if they only have to eat the dog food, they don't realize how nasty it is. When you start giving them non-dog food, they're like, screw that dog food. That shit's nasty. Every time I open, we've got a tub, a plastic tub by her bowl, her food and water bowl, where we'll scoop. Every time I open that, it is just a, like, how can a dog eat that shit? And our dog would like to avoid it as much as possible. So I give her popcorn. I give her bread. My, my wife will make scrambled eggs for herself and for the dog. She'll give the dog scrambled eggs. My wife makes for the dog these treats, handmade, homemade treats. Oats, peanut butter, and pumpkin. One of these days, I'm going to have a few more cutties than I should have, and I'm going to eat one of those things because they look pretty damn good. All right, what's next? I should wrap this up. We've been going for an hour. Stephen A. So with Brian Flores, eight Jay-Z songs and taking shots at Rosen last week, did the Bill Parcells and Belichick bleed through to get the most out of his players? I really do think that the eight Jay-Z songs was Brian Flores following the what would Belichick do mantra. See, Belichick wouldn't have a Kenny Stills on the team. Or Belichick would spot the Kenny Stills and go to the Kenny Stills and explain to Kenny Stills how distractions can undermine a team. And Belichick definitely would have nipped it in the bud after Kenny Stills called out Stephen Ross. And that's probably why Flores was irritated because they had just gone through the whole Stephen Ross thing two weeks earlier where Flores said publicly, Kenny Stills should have gone to Stephen Ross. And I guess that privately, Brian Flores told Kenny Stills, it's better to not take this stuff public at all. And then you've got the public credit. And I'm not saying that Kenny Stills did anything wrong. There's just a, a, a conflict here between styles. And the coach doesn't want anything said or done by players that undercuts the broader effort to win. It is a very results-oriented approach. No matter how right you are, no matter how wrong you are, no matter how relevant or irrelevant anything you say is to the broader issues in society, football coaches just want their guys to focus on football. Steph Boyardee, most entertaining player. Ocho Cinco is my pick. I, I, you know, for raw entertainment, I think it was Terrell Owens. And he could be a pain in the butt, but I think he was even more entertaining than Ocho Cinco, and he was a better player. Steph Boyardee, over or under four wins for the Dolphins? <laughs> Push? Four and 12? I, I know it's hard. To, I don't want to pin that on them. I'll say over, and then they can still be five and 11. Steph Boyardee. Boy, Steph's got a lot of questions today here, Steph. How many more years does Marcus Mariota have as starting quarterback for the Titans? I think this is it. Steph Boyardee, where did you take Mrs. Florio on your first date, and what did you guys do? Wow. We, we had the 30th anniversary of our first date last month, and our 25th wedding anniversary is coming up on Monday, the 26th. Uh, she was working in Pittsburgh that summer. I was working in and around 
this area. Actually, she grew up in Clarksburg, and I was driving back and forth from Morgantown to Clarksburg every day to work in a law firm that was just down the street from where she grew up. And kind of like one thing led to another, and and it's amazing that people were able to actually like communicate when we didn't carry around a phone where you can text someone. You know, like how did we? Like how did I even have her number, or how did she have my number? How did this even happen? But uh, I ended up going up to Pittsburgh one Friday night, and uh, we went out to dinner at some place where we, we, the food wasn't very good, but I didn't care. And uh, then we went out to a club, and, uh, uh, and then, you know, just that was, and then and it all kind of percolated for, I don't know, six or seven weeks after that, we got back to school, and it just kind of naturally unfolded over the semester and by the spring. And you never know when that dividing line is where it, it goes from being, you know, just kind of hanging out to just something kind of more than that, but uh, it was—I would say it was early 1990 when that when that happened, and uh, August 26, 1994, and 25 years later, as of Monday. Boy, I hope you know. I try to be very discreet. I don't want to pull her into this public life that I've crafted, but uh, I think that's a fair question, and I think that's an appropriate answer, unless and until she tells me otherwise. All right, uh, I gotta wrap this up. I'm sure you love hearing me complain about that. I, just, I got some stories I got to post, and I got some text messages that are coming in that I got to deal with. All right. Skull Vikings 407. Why are agents still allowing their clients to sign long-term contracts that are well past the new CBA? Also, I think it would be smart if Dak allows the Cow- Cowboys to franchise him and pull the Kirk Cousins. I agree with you on both points. I don't know why these teams... These, the, I know why the teams are doing the long-term extensions, and most teams are insisting on five years. And, and what happened with Jalen Smith, it was actually a six-year extension that both sides tried to sell as a five-year extension. His last contract year is this year. Next year, he would have been a restricted free agent. And the argument is, well, the Cowboys would have tendered him, so it's a five-year extension beyond that. He's under contract through 2025. And guys like Xavier Howard and Kevin Bayard, you've got guys who are signing through 2024. I don't get it. Steph Boyardee, and hey, I appreciate Steph's been around for a while. How's the Lego set coming? I went through a Lego thing early 2018. I got a Ghostbusters set in here that is still at phase one of 12. So I haven't done it in a while. Kind of got away from it. Once we got the dog, well, you know, uh, because I figure the dog, if those little pieces are around, we're going to be fishing them out of her poo. Jerry Bissett, could, should the Bears try to trade for Robbie Gould? Or talk Janikowski out of retirement. I was hoping McAfee's knee would have held up so he could have kicked for the Bears. I've said Janikowski for a while now. And who knows what they've done behind the scenes to try to talk to him. But Janikowski would be perfect as a Chicago Bear. They could still trade for Robbie Gould just because the 49ers signed him. But I think the 49ers want him. Frank Chavoui, what's the thought process of talking so much crap about Zeke? Even if they do work out a contract, wouldn't this hurt the relationship? It really seems like Jerry's just trying to win a dick swinging contest instead of putting the team first shouldn't he practice what he preaches I, I think the cowboys don't know how to deal with with these guys they don't know how to deal with three guys who will not accept the offers that the cowboys are making when the cowboys think they are quote unquote generous offers now again the epiphany i had earlier in the podcast the cowboys are envious of what the Patriots have been able to accomplish and the Patriots have gotten guys to consistently take less and the cowboys are trying to create that vibe but the thing is, it happened naturally for the Patriots. Because I think part of it, too, is the Patriots selected players that were going to be amenable to that approach. The Cowboys just have great players. And you know what? 
My position is get every penny you can while you can, and the Cowboys have players who are of that mindset. Gigi McDonald, will Patrick Chung be suspended at the very least, regardless of how the legal proceedings turn out? What else do you know about the situation? No, I mean, no, if he's completely exonerated, he won't be suspended. This is not the personal conduct policy. No commissioner exempt list, no six-game baseline suspension, no investigation above and beyond whatever the legal authorities do. He only gets suspended if he's found responsible. Convicted by a judge or a jury, guilty plea, no contest plea, or entering into a diversion program. I don't know 40. That's Frank Chavaway again. Have you gotten your steak from Chris Sims yet? Or is that the real reason he didn't want to see you when he was only two hours away? I bet that's the real reason because he still owes me that steak. Dean Osborne, do the media in general secretly love the Patriots so much that they don't pick them preseason and then after their first loss start to talk of the end of the dynasty, etc. and Brady's demise. They do all this to get them fired up and watch them in the Super Bowl see this every year. I don't think the media is doing it on purpose. I think it just happens. But I'm, I'm finally ignoring that algorithm and I'm going to pick the Patriots to go to the Super Bowl and win it. Mike likes dirt. What has a bigger impact on the Patriots? The addition of Gordon and the subtraction of Chung. Chung is going to be there, Mike. Chung is going to be there. Mike likes dirt. It seems like AB is becoming a fan of PFT based on your reporting of the helmet issue. Will an interview be coming soon? I, I don't know, and I don't care. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to suck up to Antonio Brown. I've interviewed him in the past. At some point, there was a falling out. I can't remember what it was. I think it was after the Facebook Live thing, and I said what an idiotic decision that was, and I wasn't afraid to say so. And we, we after that, were excluded from the various Antonio Brown media tours. I don't care. I say what I believe. I'm not doing it to keep access, to expand access, or to avoid losing access. I'm going to say what I believe, and if it keeps me from getting certain interviews, I, I really don't care. Interviews and access are not what made this site what it is. It's nice to have, but I'm not going to cry if I don't have it. If the Cowboys do not re-up Dak Prescott, what teams would potentially offer more than $34 million a year for him at current salary cap? Many teams are locked in at QB or have their young QB of the future already, plus the 2020 draft and 2021 draft are loaded. Here's the thing to remember, Cougars 50. The uh, You hear $34 million a year, that's new money average if they would give him a contract that is the same as the Jimmy Garoppolo deal. And I'll submit to you that $27.5 million per year over five years is more than fair. Rip up his current contract, give him $27.5 million per year over five years. The new money average, if you do that, is $34 million. So, if Dak Prescott becomes a free agent at some point, somebody... Well, look, they, the Vikings fell all over themselves to get Kirk Cousins. If Dak Prescott becomes a free agent, a guy who has never missed a game, a guy who has taken his team to the playoffs twice, a guy who played very well against the Rams even when the running game was bottled up, if he keeps on that trajectory, someone will pay him. Michael Lehman, do player-for-player player trades rarely happen because GMs are constantly managing for their jobs? Is it more convoluted to assess the winner and loser of a trade if it involves a current player for future draft capital? It used to be player-for-player player trades didn't happen often because of the salary cap ramifications, but because more and more teams are far below the cap, it's easier to take the cap hit that goes along with doing a player-for-player player trade. So they happen more than you realize. All right, that's probably it. Let me just see if there's anything else. Uh, let's just call it.
Let's call it. I've got myself into enough trouble this week. 75 minutes we did today. Thank you for your time. No more PFTPM podcast this week. And next week, probably not any until Wednesday. Let me apologize in advance, but I got to be in New York this weekend. We have a meeting that I have to attend on Monday. We have some stuff we're doing at the studio in Connecticut on Monday and Monday's also my 25th wedding anniversary so I'm not going to carve out time to do a podcast from the hotel room lest I get myself in any more trouble than I already naturally get myself in Tuesday is travel day back also it's barn league fantasy football draft night so I probably won't get one in on Tuesday either maybe Tuesday maybe a slim chance on Tuesday but most definitely Wednesday. Enjoy everything we have at profootballtalk.com, PFT Live every weekday, and uh, we will talk to you again very soon. You can find the PFTPM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFTPM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.